Indy's a cushion in practice, bro. You ever held yeah. it wide open around an Indy mile and practice? Oh, yeah. It's three fun. Inches, three I inches have, of fluff, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. I've done it on a TL-1000. Huh? <laughs> huh? That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Slapping Podcast, Episode 8, C-Tex, JJ5. It's been a couple weeks since we've had a show, and I'm excited. Back at it. Jake, how are you, man? Oh, pretty good. It's Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Like, at least two weeks, right? Since, yeah, uh, I, I feel like I don't remember how to do this. It's been so long. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, yeah, we've, we've been on the phone for an hour getting set up, so, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you forgot. Well, well, I usually take care of it. I usually come to your house and set up all the equipment. But you're in Florida. I'm in PA. So I have to do it remotely. Yeah. Well, tech stuff isn't my specialty, but (laughs) we're back at it. Episode 8. Our guest for tonight is Showtime Johnny Murphy. Been teasing it a bit on social media. Real excited about having Johnny on the show. Got a lot of news. We'll talk about some of the stuff that's been going on. First things first, I want to thank our sponsor, Mike Hacker with Presidential Mortgage. If you need a home loan, refinance, or home equity line of credit, contact mike.hacker at presidential.com. Jake, biggest news in the last couple of weeks from what I've seen is rider entry limits in American Flat Track. What are your thoughts on that? Do you want to know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of, I guess it's not really new. Um, I've seen something about it in the rules kind of early on. Um, but obviously now all the classes are limited. Um, super twins is down to 18, uh, singles is what? 32, um, TTs 48. Uh, is there a limit on production? I don't think so. I don't uh, think yeah. Yeah, Well, I don't... there was only, what, 15 at the last round or something. Yeah, so. yeah. Thankfully, because <laughs> I broke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think of that. I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I mean, if you have a pro license and you want to race, I guess you... I, how are they going to decide that? Uh, just by order of entry? I guess like if yeah I, I from what I've seen I think it's first come first serve but I don't know I mean a lot of the races last year rider count it, it would have made a difference because we didn't have enough riders to even hit what they're trying to kind of cut off this year but some of the tracks like Daytona uh, I think like you said the short tracks they're only allowing 32 riders I think Atlanta last year we had close to 55 singles riders so, yeah, it's it's kind of I don't really I got to get into the details a little bit on why that decision was made. But it's kind of a weird deal, I guess. It's, it was unexpected. I, I heard they were going to do that, but I don't quite understand the reasoning behind it. The only thing I can think of is maybe room in the pits, maybe to having three classes that maybe there's just not enough room in the pits or something. I don't Pit know. outside on the streets. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm st- I'm still all for. I mean, you take 32 out of qualifying. If 50 guys want to show up, then hey, 18 are going home after qualifying. Yeah. So yeah, hey, I don't um, know. I mean, they ha- they have a vision, and we'll we'll see how it plays out. I guess so. the vision. Yeah, I don't know. It's 
I saw that, and uh, I've been training with Noah. We're down here, and we'll we'll get to him in a bit. But I'm like, sign up today, dude! Like they're, <laughs> they're limiting entries, like all this hard work, and you go to sign up, and and you the cutoff is, you know, all the riders are already entered, and you we all this work was for nothing. So made sure Noah Noah signed up right away, and um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I know the fans are freaking out, like like they do regarding anything um, <laughs> flat track related news, but we'll see how that plays out. See if it makes a difference. Uh, if any big name riders don't get in because of the entry limits, but I just thought that was interesting news. And the other kind of cool news I thought that's definitely interesting is the, is the word for it is Ronnie Mack put on social media, a Ryan Sipes challenge uh, rider to make the 450 supercross main and make the 450 singles flat track main wins 25 grand man no one's gonna win the money so i just it's cool that he's talking about flat track but it's not gonna happen like what do you, i mean what are your thoughts on that maybe he did it on purpose having pretty late notice i I've, if this was out in november or december i bet there'd be a lot of guys trying or training for it but i don't see anybody in flat track right now that could make a supercross main I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's some some decent moto guys in flat track, but supercross is a different animal. Supercross, yeah, gate. You know, it's a mean? different, yeah, it's a different thing. And and anybody from supercross coming to race flat track, I mean, that's it's possible as well, but not in this short amount of time. Yeah, and and anybody that can make a 450 supercross gate at Daytona, why would they sacrifice? the Indy Supercross the next weekend yeah. to try and qualify for a 450 singles main. I just don't think it would happen. Um, and then you look at the 450 super glide, like he disqualified Sipes from it and Sipes is our boy and Sipes is quick, but even Sipes to make a 450 Supercross main, I don't think it'd be easy for even him to do it. I mean, I was looking at the qualifying results from last week. You have guys like Plessinger, Tyler Bowers, Martin Davalos, they're qualifying 15th, 16th, 17th. You know, I mean, there's only a couple spots available. You know, everyone else is just, it's all factory. The 450 class is stacked right now in Supercross is what I'm getting at. So, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's something to talk about. Who could possibly do it? I, I saw Michael Lessie was tagged in a bunch of them and Josh Hill. And, oh, man, there's a bunch of... Uh, bunch of moto guys i think it's funny some of the flat track guys i think they could actually just do it it was like you have no idea like 450 supercross main event like the whoops are mountains and you got to do them like every lap so i just don't think it would happen but it's cool to talk about i mean whatever yeah. it's cool yeah i have to disagree with you on the one part i think sipes could do it fairly easily that's that's yeah. why he that's why he's uh excluded from it because i think he could do it no problem yeah i don't know I don't know. I mean, Sipes is the man. Like he he could go out and get a top ten, but it's just not it's not easy. I mean, it's just not easy to make a four fifty. Like Chad Reed's barely. I mean, he's older, but he's barely making barely making main events right now. It's just a really stacked season. I want to see somebody put up a hundred grand and let Sipes do it, but Sipes has to win both. <sighs> I mean, he could win the TT, but winning the Supercross would be tough. A 450 Supercross man, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. I bet you he would try. Oh, he'd try like hell. <laughs> yeah, he's a gamer. Sipes would try it for sure. Sipes would try anything if you uh, if you put the opportunity in front of him. That guy's a gamer for sure. Yeah, so those were a couple cool things. You know, uh, we've had a couple weeks here, so 
Not actually. Now I'm thinking about it. A couple of weeks there wasn't really a bunch of announcements. I don't know if there's any rider announcements or anything. I guess it's time Daytona time, really. I mean, we're getting close. So if anybody didn't announce their news, they're not going to. And everybody that already announced it's probably you know everything's in the works already. I know Chad. Chad Coase has been releasing some teaser videos and shit. Kind of pissing me off actually. He posts these four second videos, and he and then oh we're gonna post something in three days. It's another four second video. Ah, oh, another three days. It's like, post a video, you dork. Like, we want to see this thing. Like, But, um, no, nah, nothing else, really. Um, Chad's making his way to Florida, so I'll have somebody, somebody else to train with when he gets here. But no other, really, rider announcements. Jake, uh, how's your program going? It's been a while since we checked in. Yeah, it's, it's going. It's in the works. Um, I've been wide open for the last... Out of the last two weeks, we've we've been off basically. Uh, was down in Texas at uh, Colin Edwards Boot Camp for a week, and then picked up an Indian on the way home. Uh, I've been working on that, getting that ready. So uh, haven't made an official announcement yet, but uh, picked up a bike from uh, Indian Motorcycle of Oklahoma City. So they're going to be one of my main sponsors this year. So yeah, just trying to finalize a few things, get some things. Uh, put together and get at least get some number plates on the bikes before I, uh, before I, you know, have at least have a photo to post when I make an announcement. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going. So we'll, uh, we'll see. I've been, I've been working 12 hours a day and yeah, nonstop. So any of the haters out there that we talked about, Jake Johnson doesn't have any drive. Well, this is it right here. <laughs> yeah no it's I, i'm excited for you man i'm glad uh I'm glad you got something together it would have been super weird to not see you on the starting line this year i mean it's already weird that like cool bet doesn't for me like it's cool bet's not racing anymore and i looked at a picture of my rookie year from a castle rock tt and it was a heat race and uh, everybody in the photos like eight other guys they're all retired it's like man crazy how time moves by it was like dan stanley joe cop kevin varnes ron wood nikki cummings uh man there's a bunch of guys and i'm the lone ranger uh it's still doing it so it's kind of funny but yeah um, the only other, only other big news like I, we've been i've been down in florida i've been training with noah chambers getting him ready for the daytona tt he wasn't approved initially and then you know he's a promoto guy we've done a lot of races and we finally got approval. A bunch of guys kind of emailed in. And Noah Chambers is approved. National number, AFT singles, number 166. So been <laughs> doing some races down here. He won the TT at Ocala um, the first weekend we were there. And then this past weekend, he got third in a very competitive class. The third was impressive more so because he was super hungover. Like, he could barely even. I thought he was gonna die. Like I was struggling. I thought we gonna have to rush him to the hospital. Carter can vouch for that. He was struggling, um, and he went out in true dirt tracker fashion and pulled off a podium. So I don't think you're a true dirt tracker until you get on the podium with a sl- at least a slight hangover. I've never seen Noah that bad. Like he always acts like he's. Oh, I'm fine. Uh, I'm not hurting. I'm good. And uh, I-, I was my camera was rolling because I just wanted proof that he does hit the paint cave every so often. <laughs> and, oh man, it, it was good. I, I was scared a little because of how bad he looked, but underneath I was like really happy that it happened because he got to learn. You got to learn sometimes. <laughs> so, so it was, uh, uh, it was entertaining, but yeah, I got my ass kicked, Jake. I, 
I sucked. I had a bad night. Uh, usually Ocala is one of my favorite tracks and everything I tried on the bike, dude, I'd, I'd race. I sucked. I'd come in, I'd work on the bike for like an hour, go back out. I'd suck worse, come back in, work on the bike for an hour. The harder I worked on the bike, the worse I got. It was like super annoying. I hate when that happens. Uh, maybe you should, maybe you should just stop working on the bike then. It sounds like, I, uh, <laughs> sounds like you're going in the wrong direction every time. I guess. Yeah, that's why I don't like working on shit. It's like the easiest days of the track, the days you do the best, you never freaking touch the bike. And then you try to, like, you start sucking, you try and make the bike better, and then I feel like you suck even more. It was like the harder I went into the corner, the sooner I got on the gas, the worse I did. I was, like, so mind-blown on why it was going on like that. But (laughs) that's such as racing. That's why we love it. Just the hard days make the good days that much better, but we got a bunch of fans, a uh, bunch of fan questions. Um, we're going to touch upon a couple of them. We got, like I said, I got Johnny Murphy coming on the show. So we're, we'll get to him in a minute, but a couple of the fan questions. One of them was, why isn't the Arizona TT on the schedule? Did you like the track? Me personally, I wasn't there last year. Production twins don't race TTs. Um, as riders, we don't really know why some, most of the time, why tracks get removed or tracks get added, you know, there's a lot of tracks that are very successful that are very good racetracks that just don't come back on the schedule um, for whatever, you know, we don't get enough fan attendance. We, the promoter just doesn't want to promote the race anymore. It's a lot of work to promote races. So I don't know the reason for why the Arizona TT wasn't on the schedule, but um, nothing surprises me as far as the race schedule goes. I mean, anything's fair game and anything's fair game to be removed. Really? I mean, it's actually remarkable how many years in a row Lima Peoria Springfield mile has been on the schedule with how easy it is to just say, Hey, I'm not doing it this year. Um, but yeah, Jake, I mean, did you like the track? I mean, you were there, you're a TT guy. And and what are your thoughts on that? Not being on the schedule? Yeah, I was kind of bummed to not see it. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Um, like I said, I, I love TTs and, it had about, I think it had more jumps than corners on it, so that was cool. Um, it's hard to get good dirt in the desert, so I mean the track was, I mean they did, you know, they did a good job, but it kind of turned into a somewhat one line groove. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, like I said, it's it's hard to when it's 105 degrees outside, it, it's hard to hard to keep some moisture in it. But uh, yeah, I, why it's not on the schedule? I mean. I don't know. I thought it was a hit. I mean, the, the stands were packed. Um, my guess is it just wasn't a moneymaker. Maybe, you know, just the cost to put it on and, and run it wasn't, uh, was too much for what they can sell in seats and, and, you know, fans, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it sucks to see that go. Uh, I know there's a lot of other tracks like that, uh, in the country. So it would be cool to, go back to another one um there's a lot of those trophy truck tracks out west and I think up uh in wisconsin i think it's it's big up there so hopefully that's not the last super tt we see um hopefully I mean, uh, something like that comes back for the fans listening the easiest way to make sure we come back to a track that you guys like is to show up at the track and buy tickets and come watch this race. You know, everyone wants to go back to the coin mile. I see it all the time. Why don't we race the coin? It's one of the best tracks. Y'all didn't come to the race when we raced there on July. You know, it was July 4th a few years back. 
there was like a couple hundred people in the grandstand. So if you want us to race at these tracks, buy a damn ticket and come out and watch us. Um, otherwise, it you know the promoters lose money. Everything in this sport, you know, it's everyone talks about you don't make money in this sport, but you can't lose a ton of money every year. The promoters and stuff they gotta at least break even or make a little bit of money. So as a race promoter myself, I'd love to see what the um, financial statements are in some of these races. You know, I'd like to see how much money they're making and putting out and. Yeah, because if you're not making money, it's it's just a bad deal. You can't keep doing it. It's uh, you know, you love the sport or whatever, but people throw that in pretty casually. But damn, at the end of the day, you gotta make you want to make money doing this. So all right. So next question is from Colt Chaboltz. He says, "Been digging the podcast. Would like to hear you guys compare the M207 frames since you both have had time on them. CNJ, JNM, and the factory turd you had to ride. Also noticed last year your frame was slightly different at times. Jake, if you could elaborate on that. Yeah, uh, I don't really have any time or very much time on a CNJ. Uh, what 2018 started the year on JNM, and then." Uh, yeah, I mean, the J&M was probably my favorite out of the, the two. We ended up actually going back to the J&M for the last round last year at Meadowlands, which I guess really didn't matter in the end. But um, but yeah, as, as far as the frame being different from time to time, uh, we were trying different things, and you know, it was just testing, really. Uh, made some slight changes and cut some bars out, added some bars in, just did some different things to try to help. Uh, really didn't notice much a difference or really, if any. Um, so yeah, it was just, uh, on that side of it, it was just kind of part of testing, trying different things. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Corey, you've, you've ridden both a CNJ. Well, yeah, CNJ is what you rode last year. Uh, CNJ is the only, only frame I rode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think the CNJ is a good all-around frame. I think obviously on some of the cushion tracks and some of the clay tracks when they got like a wet slick type deal, um, I felt like our frame wasn't as good as the JNMs. But it wasn't a bad frame. It was. It was never like I went out there and I was like, oh, this frame is complete shit. I think it's a good like all-around frame. But obviously on like some of the cushions or the rough rough tracks and. Um, when Sacramento, when they watered it a lot, or um, Williams Grove, when they would water it, the um, the CNJ just doesn't like to be stepped out. It's more of a keep your wheels in line type of frame. So anytime the track the track prep, you know, it required to be a little bit more aggressive and um, ride with, you know, steer with the rear wheel a lot more. I think the JNMs were a better option, but I never rode the uh, the um, linkage factory frame that those guys had. I just kind of stuck with the CNJ, but we have something in the works for this year, something different. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, my, I, I liked my bikes. I, I thought they were they were good for uh, the production class. But um, if you had to go up against an Indian, it obviously is a different story. But yeah, that was that was the whole thing. I liked some better than others, but none of them were really that good against an Indian. So. I, yeah. yeah, it's almost I mean, not a fair comparison. I mean, you yeah. didn't get a fair shot against many other parallel twins. You're trying to race Indians and trying to race, you know, even the XGs. I mean, the XGs have come a long way. So a couple of years ago, I thought they were very comparable to a parallel twin like a Cowie or a Yamaha. But now I feel like the XGs are actually 
pretty pretty damn good like compared to um compared to like a yamaha or an average cali i i'd much rather be on a a factory xg i mean a factory you know those bikes they've they've come a long way so um yeah no we we love our fan questions uh hit us up N- nothing to uh we're not scared to answer any questions you guys throw at us so definitely definitely hit us up with any questions and we'll uh do our best to answer them what's that does Cruz want to chime in what does he like better jnm or cnj <laughs> come here and say hi quick I, we gotta do we gotta call johnny up come here say hi we're doing the podcast. Can you say hi? Hi, Jake. Say hi, Jake. Hi, Jake. Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're going to go to bed, okay? Go back. Say, say good night. Good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night. Look, he's right there, right here on the screen. You see him? Say hi. Wave. Hi. Wave on the screen. <laughs> cool. 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 All right. Bye. Bye. Alright, mommy, Bye. take cruise. Bye-bye. Ow, you stepped on my balls. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Big poop job. <laughs> he said, Corey, stop it. <laughs> he calls me Corey. I hate it. <laughs> Alright, let's give our guest a call. Johnny Showtime Murphy. Chris, give him a ring. You got it, boss. Hello. Johnny Murphy, Corey Texter, Jake Johnson here, man. How you doing? I'm happy. Yeah, that's good, <laughs> dude. It's been I'm a while happy. since I since I've talked to you. Life's good? Um, uh, life's great, dude. You know, I'm, I'm I, I still uh, run around in circles really fast, but uh, I I just do it chasing kids now. <laughs> yeah, you got uh you got a whole handful of them things nowadays, huh? Uh set of twins and uh another daughter how man there's those kids are growing up so fast how old are the kids now jeez so jake uh marley's gonna be seven today wow and and then the twins are gonna be five like next month or something you know like first part of next month so um yeah (laughs) they're actually you know they're actually starting to be a lot of fun like if you got a young guy if if you guys i know you guys got young kids as they get older it just gets cooler yeah 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 i i noticed that i'm sure Corey does as well i mean emily's only a year and seven months now but it's just like every week it gets a little bit cooler you know they could do one little extra thing a few extra things and it's like before you know it i mean you know they're doing chores and stuff right well, that's the idea, man. That's why we, you know, that's why we had three of them. <laughs> uh, they don't even clean up after themselves yet. They, the little ones, the little ones don't even wipe their own butts. What are we talking about, man? There's a long ways to go, but nah, it's, it's all good. It's, it's, uh, we, we, uh, we gave them, we gave them away for the weekend. Uh, again, one of our, our, our one main babysitter gal took them this whole last weekend and let Carrie Ann and I have kind of a cool, cool just mom and dad, or I guess <laughs> husband and wife weekend. And we didn't do anything special, but man, it was like, this is so cool. Look at us be, you know, just free and do whatever we want. And that like Saturday afternoon, we're like, I miss the kids, man. Yeah. <laughs> miss those little turds, you know, it was <laughs> nice not having to worry about them all the time, but we sure, sure do love them. Yeah, no, nah, it's, that's awesome. It's been a good journey for me so far. And I'm excited for what's ahead as far as being a dad goes, but getting into the whole racing thing, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know the whole Johnny Murphy story on how things kind of went, got started. But did anyone in your family race? Like, how did you, how did you get started in this whole flat track thing? I mean, um, like you just saw it and just decided you wanted to do it. How how'd that all come about? You know, there was a uh, there was a race at the Paso Fairgrounds when I was a kid, and I I, I went there. Um, actually, when I was at six or seven, my mom passed away, killed in like a tragic horse accident, and we had a whole ranch full of horses. And my dad started selling horses pretty much directly at that point. And, and uh, we were kind of headed in a different direction. He was, he was looking for something for us to kind of do as a family. You know, he was trying to figure out how to be a dad. He'd always just worked and my mom raised the kids, you know. So it's kind of a tragic deal that turned out, uh, turned out into my race. You know, started what was to be my motorcycle racing career. My dad was in it with a full head of steam. You know, he started, went to the fairgrounds, watched that race, thought that was cool, and bought a little YZ60, and then, then got my doors blown off by a KX60 and like, whatever that was, 87 or whatever, you know. <laughs> and I, we were running, we were running an air-cooled, you know, Yamaha from the 19, early 80s, and these, these, these water pumper cowies were blowing our doors off. So we went down to Kawasaki shop and got one of those. And, and then uh, that's kind of, that's just how it goes, I guess, probably from there, kind of like everybody, you just chase the fastest guys in the state until you beat those guys, then you chase the fastest guys in the country which at that point were the Hayden and, uh, goodness. I mean, if you guys knew my dad, if you guys didn't know my dad, you'd, <laughs> my dad and Earl getting together, that was like, that was like gasoline in, in a, a match, man. It was like, <laughs> we're pretty, we're, you know, I'm, I, we're there, we're at uh, Henry, Illinois or whatever to race flat track. And then guys over there talking about horse racing and pretty soon they got a plan schemed up how they're going to pay for our racing careers. Like they were going <laughs> to, they had some crazy ideas. And, and, and of course my dad was a little bit scared. He's like, you know, Earl, they kill people for stuff like that in California. And I was like, oh, James, don't worry about it. We're, we got this handled. We're going to, they're not going to know what, they're not going to know what come across there. They won't even know what happened, you know? Anyway, so that was kind of it. We just got around to be around some good people and um, just chase the, chase the, the fast guys through, you know, through the ranks, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it all, it all makes a little bit of sense now. I, I always wondered why there was so many fast guys out of Paso Robles, California. I mean, just a few that, a few that come up, you know, come to mind. Obviously, yourself, uh, Jake Zemke, uh, Nathan Woods, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesse Nelson, a little bit younger uh, than you guys. It's yeah. like. I mean, was it? Now we got Carlin. We got Carlin Gardner still. Carlin Gardner, Paso, yeah. Paso and and uh, Derek Drake's just down the road, San Luis Obispo. His family's oh, still yeah. here. Uh, uh, shoot, we, there's a pr bunch of guys we probably could we skipped over pretty quick, but yeah, the, the motocross deal, flat track deal, dude. There was a day when me and Nathan and Jake would go to the AMA awards banquet and take home like three quarters of the stuff. You know, it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, man, we're going to Central Coast. You know, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is it? I mean, I guess everybody kind of got their uh, their start at the, at the fairgrounds there. I, I heard uh, an interview with Jesse Nelson here recently, and that's kind of how he got started. He went, you know, went to the down to the fairgrounds and uh, did some racing, and you know, kind of the same story. Just you know, started out local and got his butt kicked, and just kind of went after it after that. Um, it, it just always yeah. kind of blown me away. Uh, you know, it's, I, I don't know, I guess Pennsylvania is similar. Uh, there's a lot of fast guys from Pennsylvania, Michigan, but, um, but a lot of guys ran out of the same town and I've, I've been there and it's, it's not that big. So <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it ain't all that impressive. Was it Jake? <laughs> no, I mean, no, I like it there. It's a ni nice place, but there's not much there. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe in my generation, you know, in my era where, you know, if I was, 
chasing somebody that was almost done or if somebody was chasing me when I was almost done, we were all working together. We were all training together in the wintertime. We're all trail riding. We're all pushing each other, talking about stuff. You know, hey, man, if you're going to make it happen, you're going to have to stop doing this. Or you need to start doing this. Or, or hey, what do you got going? Because what you're doing is working, you know. And, and we all wanted – you kind of have that thing when you travel clear across the country and you're and – you're, uh, Pitted next to a guy you went to high school with, you kind of got, you kind of want to see the guy do good, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and so we, we worked, we worked year round for that stuff. And, and I'll tell you, there was, there was many times, man, when, when, uh, you know, <laughs> you guys, I don't know how well you guys know old Jake, uh, Zemke, but he never, he's just physically fit naturally, never worked super hard physically. And I, and I say consistently maybe, but nothing like I was always you know, a savage on a bicycle or whatever, trying to make something happen today, you know, and Jake could just stop me off his bike. said, I'm not going another foot. I'm not going to pedal this bike one more inch. I'm sitting right here until I feel, until I'm not, you know, dizzy anymore. It's like, come on, dude. I'd yell, you know, yell at him. We got to win championship this year. Let's go. And he just, he just sits there shaking his head. Me pushing my, me riding this bike up this hill isn't going to win me a championship. And I'm like, <laughs> it must, it must more, be the uh, name Jake. Our relationship. <laughs> I like his style. <laughs> well, he, well, he definitely had a more natural way of going about it, for sure. Yeah, everybody's different, man. Some guys are just wired differently. Um, talking about that a bit, like your transition from the amateur ranks to the pro stuff. Like, at what point did you realize? I mean, because then going farther down in your career, you were a championship contender for quite a while there at least a few years you know so how did that transition go from the amateur to the pro stuff and at what year or what like moment in your pro career were you like man you're like i'm one of the top guys in the series right now i can actually make a living racing motorcycles you know it kind of goes back to what you're willing to sacrifice um i think i i I put everything on hold i mean the day i got out of my junior year of high school the day I got out, I loaded a box van and left town to get the heck out of here and go back where all the fast, you know, where all the fast flat trackers were. And uh, the day I graduated my senior year, I did the same thing, but I had to stick around for graduation. Kind of was disgruntled about that, but there wasn't actually a race I was going to miss. So I went ahead and went to graduation and split town, man, and just <laughs> loaded up 17 years old, got in a van and just took off. And um, never really thought I wasn't going to make it, but there was many a days, boy, where I was just, I was just beat down, you know, riding worn out stuff, worn out tires, not having any money. I remember my, I think my pro-am or my first expert year, my dad gave me a thousand dollars when I left town, you know, in June or whenever high school got out and kind of gave me a hug. And my dad was not a sentimental, lovey guy, but he had tears in his eyes. He said, give it, give it hell, son. I'll see you when you get home. You know, I'll call me along the way. Yeah. <laughs> I raced all year long on that thousand dollars, man. I think I think you make like a you know 150 bucks for a regional win, and a, uh, you know go to a little local race and or, or something, find a little semi-pro thing that pays 500 if you win the Open Expert or whatever. And boy, I worked at Tote Grace Kawasaki shop uh, during the week when I could for like five bucks an hour, and and just I didn't. I mean, I slept in a box van, and then pretty soon you're sleeping in people's houses, and you rent a house, or you know just kind of work your way through, and that's just what we did. There was no, there was no not gonna make it. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know really what the point was where I decided, oh, cool, I can do this. My dad never let me believe that I was ever going to do anything but race motorcycles. He said, you want to race motorcycles as a professional? You want to do this? Said, yeah, well, then we're going to do it. Done deal. It's done. You just got to work until it's there. You know, and so I just, that's just what I did. I was never led to believe I could, I could actually not make that happen. And, and, and to be honest, I lost that 
Um, you know, and I'm, I'm probably going to skip ahead on you here, Corey. I know you're trying to keep me in, in a timeline here, but oh, you're good. I lost that. I, I lost that because, because I, you know, I dreamt, I dreamt about it. I wanted it, but I didn't want it like Nikki Hayden wanted it. I didn't want it like, like Jared Mees want, wanted it. You know, I wanted it like, you know, like a kid from California that never thought it could deep down in his heart, never really thought, you know, I'd be the next Scott Parker. I mean, I saw a Nikki Hayden autograph sheet from back when he was a mini bike rider, like back when I raced him while I thought eighties. And it said his like his three of his four goals were like stay off drugs, win a world championship. You know, I can't remember. It was like, like three of the four things were super lofty and he did all, but all but one of them, which was the grand slam thing, you know, but, but it was like, it was like that, that's the kind of stuff, you know, we just never aimed high enough. So, so to kind of answer your question, I never thought I couldn't do it. And the only reason I didn't is because I never aimed high enough. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's second, <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with silver, right? I mean, <laughs> ah. well, my wife, my wife refers to me as her favorite number two, you know, so I feel like my favorite second place guy. I'm like, I'll pay by love you. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, our next question, I mean, you just, I don't even know if I should ask it. Cause I think everybody sounds like a bunch of heartless nobodies that, you know, after that, uh, I know you follow the sport a little bit. I know you kind of not shied away, but you kind of, when you were done, you kind of did your own thing for a while, but I know a little recently you've been paying a little more attention here and there, but is there any rider today? Um, or, you know, or since you've retired that reminds you a little bit of yourself? Uh, you know, I don't know any of them well enough to, to go there. I, I love, I love the idea, you know, um, when I see a kid working real hard and, and, and you almost have to, you almost have to look outside of the top five. Cause it took me a while, you know, why well, I, I scrambled on junk equipment for quite a bit and I had good people around me, but we didn't know what we were supposed to be doing. And I was riding some clappers, man. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember some of the stuff and I'm not going to throw a babe under the bus. Cause that guy could make a motorcycle run somehow, somewhere. They'd be breathing blowing oil at the breather sitting on the pole for the main event and they get DQ'd for leaking oil. Like, come on. <laughs> but, but, uh, we did a lot of things wrong for a lot of years. So to look around, I think there's probably somebody in there not as talented. And it's going to be interesting to see how those, those, uh, those guys, you know, the, the seventh to 12th place guys, ha, what's the transition for them now? You know, with with what's going on and all the, the current the current layout. I mean, I, dude, I, I rode 883 for two years strictly so that I could get an XR to ride. You know, um, yeah. I've heard you guys giggle about the 883 program a little bit, but that was like this. That was like kissing your sister, man. It was like, okay, okay, Bill Bartel's gonna put me on an XR as long as I ride this 883. And they yeah. Had they had a decent little program. You know, they had bikes that were somewhat competitive, but we weren't no Maronis. I mean, Pat was down there. Shoving <laughs> hacker hacker lead on that is shoving base gasket material or head gasket material underneath the base of the cylinder to to get the thing to pass tech. I, we caught him in tech one time. He's like, Pat, get out of here! You're cheating. Dude, those guys had fast bikes every week. Our stuff was missing gears. I don't think I made it. I don't think I made a shift. I probably shifted that thing without missing a year once in like whatever year that was. I rode the 883. Just junk. I mean, Joe, we had to write 883s on asphalt half miles to make a living, dude. It was like, it's like the craziest thing you ever done. And, 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 and that, so I don't know, going back to the, the guys nowadays, I have no idea, Jake. I, I'd like to think there's some kid that's going to work real hard and make something happen. But 
I don't know who they are, man. It's you have to look far enough back. They're not getting any light, you know, any attention right now. And those, and uh, I haven't been to the races in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, real quick, were 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 Maroney's 883s that much better than everybody else's? Uh, you know, the deal was there were there were three horse, two horse better, but we were all we were all like 60 horse. And Pat would be like 63, 64, you know, and, and I thought on whatever, you know, a dyno jet on a given day and weather conditions or whatever else, but, but we all knew what we had and you get out on the mile and, and, uh, and then he had hacker riding them and then he had, well, Fletcher was hurt for a little while there, but, but, um, he had some really good, Georgie was kind of the tail end of my career, but he had some really fast guys on bikes that ran really good. So it was hard to beat. Yeah. I rode, I rode Pat's 883s. I think, uh, Man, I, I don't know if he was. It's been a long time. I don't know if he was lying or. Like well, I, said, I could be wrong, some, but. Had, uh, no, no, you guys had some modified parts, right? We had to run bone stock valves and all that other stuff. He's not yeah, we were allowed. Yeah, we were allowed to do quite a bit. By the time I got on, we were running 19 inch wheels, good tires. Yeah. Um, I think there was some motor stuff, uh, but I do remember, I, I could tell the story now. It's Pat's been out of racing long yeah. enough and it's been long enough ago, but he's a sweetheart. He'll admit to it. If he was standing here, we know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of like the, the base gasket or head gasket and the base gasket and tear down. Yeah. So when I started riding 883 for him, uh, technically won the first race, went out and got second. Uh, Willie McCoy got DQ'd cause I guess he was cheating worse than we did. And, uh, so, so I got the win and, and so things were kind of progressing a lot faster than, you know, we all anticipated. So Pat kind of gave me a heads up and he said, Hey, if anybody protests us and you know, they check, uh, steering head angle or anything like that. You, you tell them that this was a crash bike. It hit a wall at 50 mile an hour. And, you know, I, I think the rider was okay. So he's, he somehow wedged that frame into a press and heated it up and steepened the steering angle up. And it was, it was awesome on half miles, but as soon as we got on the first mile, that thing would head shake like you wouldn't believe. But, uh, yeah, production class racing, dude, that's what you're going to, I mean, yeah. everybody's pushing the limits and Pat just pushed. The thing about Pat is he was like, Hey, you know what I'm, this is, you guys tied my hands. And I'm doing the best to untie him. Don't give me a hard time about it. This is what production <laughs> class racing is, you know. And and whereas Bill Bartels kind of was a just a, a shop owner with a heart of gold that had a good team manager, somebody that kind of worked on some stuff there. And we were getting what was left over of the road race team, and we were getting kind of leftover parts around there. And dude, don't don't kid yourself. I've seen a chromoly, and I've seen an 883 frame made out of chromoly sitting up in the rafters, all bent up, <laughs> like whoa, that thing's light. And they're like, oh yeah but it didn't hold up well the first time that guy slid it down the highway, you know, <laughs> down the racetrack on a, on a road race. It was like, wow, you guys have gone to great lengths to cheat. Like they, they, they did all that stuff, but we were literally Eric Bostrom and I were rebuilding Sean Russell and Billy Martin. That was our, our little force in that year. We were rebuilding those, that, those heads every week in, in Paul Lynch's garage or in somebody's race shop, you know, somewhere in some backyard of some grocery store, every single week, putting, putting valves and, and, uh, you know, putting valves in those things because of the way we had to rev them to get them to run and pull the heads through the through the seats. And, and, uh, and then we just had, we were just some kids from California just working on Harleys all the time. It was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I learned it later in my career from uh, from Travis Smith, and I, I still I still tell this all the time. There's there's two kinds of people in racing. There's cheaters 
and there's losers. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Unless you're Jared Meese, well, then you're just a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the deal, dude. I remember, I, and I hung out with Chris quite a few years, you know, when he was kicking my butt. You actually total gentleman and a, just a, 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 a absolute. Chris Carr was an absolute. Um, say gentleman that doesn't even say he was a stud as far as competition goes that guy was like dude you're the second place guy and you don't have what it takes to beat me next year i'm going to bring you a sponsor that can help you step your game up like he wanted somebody to race him and i and he, you know that guy that guy used to tell me hey i told kenny tobert you can do whatever you want but if we get caught cheating you're fired on the spot you know so <laughs> yeah. bless his heart you know jared might not have given kenny those same directions <laughs> yeah we talked about it on the last episode a little bit like they wanted to know about the tire gate and things like that and me and jake were just like man I, we don't know what to say really like we don't we don't really know you know if that was a meese thing or a tolbert thing or, or what it was or uh you know he swears by it but yeah i mean like you said in in production racing and racing in general you're everyone's always trying to find that extra edge and some of the guys that were the biggest, you know, they're the most vocal about, you know, the whole tire deal or with anybody cheating, it's like Bill Warner or somebody like that who, you know, yeah. the big board bill, like they call him that for a reason. Yeah. So it's, yeah. uh, yeah. it's crazy, but I'm, I'm glad I never had to ride in 883. Those things are terrifying. Like <laughs> I, I thought about- 883 and in, in stock form, uh, was an absolute, like after getting off your road tax, you know, back in the day we were riding road tax 600s and we either had a, you know, woods chassis that worked real good on a groove track, or you had a night or a, I think C and J's almost at that time, you know, that it slid around the track pretty good. And then you get on a 883. It was like, <laughs> golly, man, are you kidding me? This put hair on your chest. I was like, well, boy, <laughs> that's right. They're like, and then you get back on an XR after that and you're like, woo. I'm a kid again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you talked about Babe DeMay a little bit and some of your other tuners you've worked with. You've, you've had some good tuners, you know, eventually down, down your career a little bit when you finally made a name, you know, got good results and you got some better rides and things like that. And, um, I hate to put you on the spot, but who was like your favorite tuner to work with? Uh, any memorable stories from like that stands out among, among them? Like um, <laughs> what, what guy were you most comfortable with on race day? I'll tell you right now. I, I, I'll never, I'll never, uh, you'll never beat that mystery of, of babe having a bike that's almost blown up. That's rattling so bad. You don't even want to take it out on the track. I've seen it twice, dude. I rode one of them and Kevin Varnes did the other one. Kevin Varnes got, got waved off on the cool on the warm-up lap for oil leaking out of his you know the what do you go the breather filter breather breather filter, filter, blowing right. blowing oil out and people are waving pointing at him hey dude <laughs> this guy's bike's blowing oil out there on the on the warm-up lap so babe you know <laughs> babe runs back to the pits and goes and gets a rag and zip tire puts a zip tire around the rag around the breather filter and sends him back out there he's on the pole for the springfield mile <laughs> and the thing's got that much so it's like dude he was either putting nitrous in the oil or something i didn't i had a i had a half miler that was six or eight races old he kept saying i'm gonna i'm gonna rebuild it next week next week and, then, and i just keep riding it, keep riding it man that thing handled good well my miler my special bike blew up in the first lap of practice and i rode my half miler all day long i was on the pole for the main event and the thing was rattling so bad it was like there's no way this thing isn't going to blow up and the only reason i the only reason that i didn't do something on that in the, that day is because i i couldn't pull a tall enough gear to, to you know the last five when everybody kind of 
gets their <laughs> quits messing around and, and uh, Rich King, you know, on one of Bill's bikes and Chris, you know, those guys kind of go ahead and give it the rest. The last quarter throttle they've been sitting on, I had I'd been giving it all I had, and it just didn't, <laughs> you know, didn't go. It, would, it wouldn't go that extra little bit, but but um, anyway, um, Babe was special because he taught me a lot, and a lot of that was, you know, just got to ride it. You got to figure it out. You know, you got to make it work right now. And then, and then obviously the best mechanic I ever, I ever worked with, we had a really good connection immediately, was Mike Wheeler. Uh, Mike had just worked with Will Davis, you know, had won some races with Steve Moorhead and come real close to Rodney Ferris a bunch of times and just a genius of a mechanic, just a spot-on dude. He wanted to win real, real bad. You know, he, he worked real, real hard, was a meticulous nut about every single thing on, on a motorcycle being perfect. And we connected at the beginning of 2000. I think I worked for Babe, Road with Babe and then, I told I told Cozires I said, Hey, Tim and Debbie, you, you guys can um you guys can keep that guy if you want, but I can't work with him anymore. You know, Babe's not my guy and they said, Okay, we'll just find find a new mechanic and we went out together and through through all our through our biggest biggest stack of cash we had at, at Old Wheeler and he came to he moved to Illinois and worked with us for pretty much he's still there, you know, working at Harley's on street bikes, but with with Tim and Debbie. But um man, we went out the first race and won the short track at Daytona on the, the hot shoe night and, and uh we're fast on the uh, the uh, half mile stuff right away on the Harley, and you know I think we're in second that first year together, just right out of the gate, you know, just confidence in each other, and we got along, and everything was cool. And then the next year we got second by a few less points, and it was closer. And then year after that, I started wanting to go testing, and this is something that's a little <laughs> more commonplace now. But I was like, Wheeler, man, let's take these things and go run non-national. Nope. <laughs> Anybody knows me knows I don't run non-nationals. It's like, what do you mean? We're getting our butts kicked on a regular basis by Chris Carr. He's going to the non-national. Let's go follow him. Go chase him. Nope, I ain't doing it. And it was like, well, what? But you, if it, it's not the bike, the bike setup's right. We went with the, we won with this year before. Why can't you just ride it? And I was like, well, dude, because we need to get better. We're only going to do as good as we did last year. We're just going to get second again. Nope, we ain't tested. And I was like, whoa. So that there's this huge wedge. And the moment he said that, like from that day forward, we never saw eye to eye. And, uh, you know, we're all good now. I love the guy. You know, he was a big part of um, my wife's growing up, you know. She, she she calls him Uncle Jelly Roll or Jelly Bean or something funny like that. You know, like family, but but uh, you know I sent a picture of the kids and stuff. But but as far as like the moment he said we're not going testing because this bike's good enough, and it was like no, dude, I understand the bike's good enough, but if we don't get better as a team, you can always get better. That little, that little five foot three little bald head and little bastard forty something year old at the time, I was like he's old. <laughs> He's getting slow. We got to beat him. And then he just kept kicking our ass over the weekend. Meanwhile, Chris and Kenny are renting tracks and building new bikes and different chassis. And I'm going, son of a bitch, how are we going to beat this guy? You know? <laughs> the wheeler's going, nope, that bike's good enough. And it was like, ah, okay, what am I going to do now? You know? So anyway, that, that's kind of the story there. That, right out of the gate, couldn't beat him. Trying to get better moving forward, hands were tied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wheeler, he's a, he's a good dude. I've, I've kind of known him. For a long time. I mean, he was obviously a Maryland guy, uh, worked with, uh, you know, Lynch and obviously was around Nixon and uh, all those guys. And so I remember I have old videos of the indoors back in the day. And I remember crashing, hitting the wall. And I remember it kind of half knocked myself out. And when I kind of came to the first person I saw was, you know, old seven foot tall Wheeler standing over top of me and (laughs) asking if I was all right. But uh, but no, yeah, I mean. Yeah, from what I remember, uh, 
I didn't know it went so well at the beginning. Uh, you know, I always I always thought you guys kind of butted head butted heads from the get go, but just made it work. So oh, um, no, we were. <laughs> hey, let me tell you how that happened. Let me let me tell you real quick how that happened, Jake. Let me tell you a story. This is a drinking this is a drinking story. You guys will appreciate this. He came to live in Illinois, he came to live in Illinois, and we went back there for the Cozier's Christmas party. And Tim and Debbie Cozier have a family that works for them. They don't have employees, dude. Those guys have a family that works for them, and that's why their shop's successful, and that's why they're amazing people. We get in there, you know, and Wheeler and I are giggling, going, oh, dude, we're going to whoop some butt this year. We're going to do good. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do good. Okay, here, let's have a shot of this. Okay, cool. All right, let's have another. Oh, we're going to do so good this year. We're going to work real hard. Okay, let's have another shot. You know, pretty soon, Wheeler's like, I'm going to go back to my apartment. I'm going to head out of here. And Tim and Debbie told me, hey, here's his keys. Drive him home. Don't let him drive. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's drunk. He doesn't need to drive home. And, but here, here's his keys. Just go drive him home. And I somehow, I guess I wasn't drunk or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I, okay, cool. You know, I was, yeah, I was the, maybe, the, I don't know. Anyway, so I, I go out in the parking lot. I'm like, okay, Wheeler, let's go. I'm going to give you a ride home. You ain't driving my car. So Wheeler, they just told me I got to take you home. I said, okay. He goes, do you want it? And he gets, he grabs a hold of me. You know, Wheeler was always very, uh, physical like he would fight i would have fight you you fight me yeah, I'm drunk. yeah. He, he grabbed me by my shirt he said yeah you let me have them keys right now i said i ain't doing it dude i ain't doing it and he goes he goes you want to win races this year i said you're damn right i do he says it starts with trust and i said you're damn right it does he goes give me them keys and i go dude here they are bro you got this <laughs> said, okay, do, me, do me a favor do me a favor sneak out of here real easy and let me know when you get home you know shoot me a call or something okay <laughs> Dude, I step out of the car, dude. He matched that thing. He had his old uh, Chevy Astro minivan, matched that thing, and does a big old burnout all the way down the driveway. And everybody in the house turns around and sees me standing there with Wheeler burning out down the driveway. And I was like, ah! Shit. We just had enough mentality, the similar mentality where it was like, dude, we're, we're, we're going to give it our best. And, and I think our best is going to be good enough. You know what I mean? We, we had that. We had We definitely had that thing going right from the get go. But. Didn't last. Didn't didn't last more than two years. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you you had a, a really good couple of years there where you gave Chris all he could handle, um, and really like the prime of Chris's career. Like, I mean, he was he was solid in the '90s and stuff when he was racing Scotty, but I think he was more of a complete all around intelligent rider, um, kind of like your era and and things like that. I mean, he was tough to beat. So you battled Chris Carr for a few years there, and you know winding down your career like i wanted to talk to you about it, a little bit about it we didn't get to talk um to paul lynch about it too much but how hard is it to kind of make that decision like what went into that decision to kind of step away and and what the hell did you do for the first couple of years i mean talk about talk a bit about that boy you know it's funny i'm i'm uh i'm just just went, had to go back into the backyard and get another one of these ice cold 805 beers and uh <laughs> and then right as you right as you said that i'm like oh man I'm, this is going to be fun. And then, dude, I got the chills. Like you said that, Corey, and my, my, literally, I got the chills because that's a big one. And that, I see that going wrong more than it goes right in racing and sports and stuff. But again, you mentioned Paul. I mean, Paul got it right. Paul, he put what he had in the racing while he had it. And then he kind of dilly dallied a little bit, but he, he put what he was putting in the racing into something else. And, and now he's, you know, as <laughs> they climbed the ladder, just went and made a spot for himself and killed it, you know? And I think, I think that's what it's all about. You guys is, is, uh, you know, on any given weekend at a, at a grand national flat track or whatever we call American flat track deal. Now you're trying to be the best in the world at something. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care if it's rotating tires. If you want to be the best in the world, you got to check all the boxes 
and do all the work and have your head in the right spot. You know, you got to be ready and you got to be prepared. You got to have everything you need and have a little bit of luck. So, so you get out in the work in the workforce. If you if you could just set your mind to something, if you could just say, "Hey, I'm going to go be like hacker. I'm going to go sell uh, loans. I'm going to go, you know, sell mortgages." You know, like Paul's deal doing the, the software deal, or, you know, I have a home inspection business. I just decided one day that was a really good plan. I researched the whole thing, and it looked good to me. I could set my schedule, and it slowed down in the winter, kind of like racing, you know, a little bit seasonal. And Shoot, man. I set my mind to that, and I didn't, I didn't waver. I mean, it took me a year and a half to have a solid clientele of, of people that, you know, realtors that use me, clientele. It, eventually, it comes around, and now I'm making a living doing this. And now it's just when the phone rings, I'm like, God, thank, thank you, Lord. Like, thank you, God. I, I got more business. Do I really got to go to work again? It's like, yeah, that's what we do now. It's, it's just a, now it's just a job, but it's a job that I handpicked that my wife and I looked at and said, this looks like a nice little thing. Let's look into this further. Holy cow. How much are they paying these guys? Wait a minute. What's the down, you know, what's the investment up front? Let's just go do that. And then once you make up your mind to do something, you don't stop until it's done. And I think, I think you can go be 80%, you know, be, beat out 80% of the people in the workforce and be a standout, man. You're a hero if you're better than 80% of the rest of the people. If you're only better than 80% of the rest of the people at a flat track race, uh, with the 40 guys there, you know, help me with the math, Jake. Where are we at? What are you about? Just over, I mean, 10th place guy? I don't know. If you're, yeah, if you're, something like that. Only, you know, it ain't that good, you know? So it's like... If you want to be the best in the world at something, you know what it's like to, to even just smell the top and know what it takes to get there. Dude, the rest of this stuff's easy. You just have to apply yourself the same way. You know. I mean, being a racer and having that mentality of, of trying to win every single weekend and working hard and taking the extra steps and then applying that to the workforce, I think that gives any racer a head start over anybody else that's doing it because we know how to win and we know how to be competitive. But the biggest thing is just knowing you're not going to be out in the starting line anymore. You're not going to be out, you know, racing the Springfield mile. Like what are, what's the biggest thing that you miss the most from professional competition? Like what, what kind of like, man, I wish I could do this one more time. Well, so Ronnie Jones mentioned to me when I was first kind of, you know, cause I was hurt. I got hurt in the middle of 07 and was kind of like kind of trying to figure out what to do pick his brain a little bit. Cause that's the guy that's played, come back, gone out, come back. And he said, Hey dude, it takes for every year that you're out. It takes two years to get back where you were. Now, if you don't mind coming back lesser than where you were, you know, go on, be, you know, be all you want to be there in the middle of the pack or whatever. But, but, but if you want to be what you were, you've got to put in double the time that you took off. So he says, I knew, I think what his deal was. I knew if I took a year off a full year off, he said, I wouldn't be able to take the, the full two years and still be young enough to do it. Well, Ronnie had a trick for us there and he still keeps coming racing, but, <laughs> but it, 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 what my thought was, I had to get away from it because I didn't think it had a future. I didn't honestly didn't think that what I was doing. And at that time, you know, obviously before, you know, Indian and, and a few other things, I think this, the trends of things working for the, the flat track scene, it was like, dude, I was working my tail off running second in the country, taking home 60 or 70, you know, 50, 60, 70 grand a year. Like, are you gonna retire off that? Are you gonna put that away? You know, what am I gonna do with fifty grand a year? And Hacker told me one time he just Hacker got hurt at the same time. I don't know if you guys remember. It was like uh, I ninety six. He hit that dude and, and uh, busted his his whole groin area on the on the triple clamps of an XR. I can't mm, imagine. Yep. That oh yeah. And he was laying laying in the hospital with a broken pelvis or whatever his femur and. 
to Murphy Man. He, he, always has, he always has a funny way. He's always checking me or whatever. Murphy Man, I don't, you know, I don't know, man. I don't. What else can I do and make thirty or forty grand a year? And I almost choked him right there in his hospital bed. <laughs> I was like, Mike, are you serious? You put as much into this, and this, I was, I was on the fence. I had been hurt and was trying to figure out what I was going to do in my career. And I said, All right, dude, you put as much into anything else in this world. And this is just the way I was taught and I was brought up. Put anything out, any, you know, any career, what we put into this, and we'll go to the top of whatever we want to do. You want to run for president? That eh, example, sorry. Let me see. Uh, maybe mayor. Maybe you want to be mayor, you know? What do you want to be CEO of or something? All you got to do is pick your spot and then learn what it takes to get there. And, and, and Mike obviously did that. And, and, um, I think a lot of these guys that stop racing and then kind of law in you know, this kind of lollygag around it's because they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe they can do anything else. And you have to remember, even if you were only a fifth place guy on your best day or a 10th place guy on your best day, that's still better than a hundreds. Of, I mean, you're, you're in the upper, you're in the upper couple percent in the world at something. And, and if you just go, if you go get close to that in the business world, in the, in the marketplace, you're going to dominate. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm starting to see that a little bit. Um, it's funny, just going. Don't get, me, I, don't get me started, Jake. Don't get me started on your career. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I'm but I, I think I think I've reached that age or that spot. Like going back to what you're saying about uh, no matter what you do, you know, do it at a hundred percent. Whether it's rotating tires or whatever. I was at I was at the grocery store the other day, and they had all these new bagger kids there, and I almost I almost had the fatherly talk with them because it was just horrible. Like it was unacceptable how this kid was putting. I, I wish we had video. I could show you how he's putting yes. the groceries in the bag. And you know, I almost just like pushed him away and just said, you know, here I'll just do it myself. But I wanted, I almost wanted to have that talk with him and go, hey kid, I know you're just bagging groceries, but put some fucking effort into it. Like, come on, man. Like I know you're making six bucks an hour, but like, yeah. you, you're not going to get anywhere in this world if you're going to. You know, put put a yep. you know can of beans on top of my bread. You know, like come on, man. <laughs> and then I'm, but, and then you're gonna have choke marks around your neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's cool to see. It gives me hope. Um, obviously, I'm I'm going at it again this year. Well, you know, I don't. Well, I'll, I'll let you know at a later date whether that was the right decision or not. But it's cool to see. It gives, like I said, it gives me hope to see shit. You know, probably three of my you know, best buddies, you know, from that era, you, you know, hacker yourself, Paul, you know, doing well after racing. And, uh, I think I still have that fear about what I'm going to do, but, you know, I think I'm starting to turn that corner a little bit and, uh, could actually start thinking about it and possibly preparing for it. But, um, it, it's cool to see, like, you know, you started, uh, a promotion company, uh, put on a race at, uh, you know, the Paso fairgrounds this year. And so obviously motorcycles are, I mean, you trail ride a lot. I mean, you, motorcycles are still your life. Um, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's cool to see that, you know, you go ride your dirt bike on the weekends or take a week off, you know, it kind of, kind of gives you your fill, but, uh, but you know, it's all about, uh, providing for your family and, and making a living. And like you said, do it, do it the best you can. Uh, you know, you don't really think of that. You know, you think, Oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to go work in a factory and make 12 bucks an hour or whatever. But, you think like, man, we, like you said, we were fighting to try to be the best at something in the world. And, yeah. you know, if, like you said, if you just do that somewhere else, you, it's, you can fail, but it's going to be really hard to fail. 
So it's uh, it's well, definitely yeah. Like, you, put, you put your heart into it, dude. You put your heart into it, and and um, people around you see that. You know, we're in a small town, little area, and so there's not a lot of big business here. There's a few bigger businesses and bigger enterprise, but around here, it's about you know self-employed dudes and independent contractors with everything. And and I gotta tell you, man, from what I know, what I've my experience is, if you put your heart into something, the people around you see that. And if you screw up full-heartedly. And you and you suck it up and go, dude. I, I I dropped the ball on that one. I'll make it right for you. That's just, that's darn near as good as doing it right the first time. <laughs> you know, they go, wow. Everybody screws up, but this time this guy admitted it and said he'd make it right. You know, yeah. uh, and 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 Jake, as far as your deal, both of you guys. I mean, you know, you're kind of at a point with a young family. Uh, gosh, man, there's you just decide. I mean, I I I'd love to talk to you more about it, but you just decide what it is that works for you. Look around, see what's going on around you, your little area. You know, recognize where there's a need. Hey man, it looks like there was a tornado come through here, whatever it was, and ripped all the shingles off. Well, hey, I'm gonna start a roofing company, or find <laughs> some way, just find a need, find something where there's a demand for something that that, that has that is interesting to you, whether it's uh, you know, fixing sewing machines, or or uh, it doesn't even matter. Just find something where there's a demand because that's economics. You're gonna have to have a demand. And then start, and then start building a plan. Go, oh, gosh, in my business, I want to work Monday through Friday, and I ain't working Saturdays. Cool. That's your rules. It's your game. It's your ball of wax. You know, um, you figure out. You set your. You set your parameters. You do either. Of you guys. I mean, I don't want. I don't want to limit it to just you guys. Anybody that's worked as hard as we have to go beat our heads against the the, the dry, crumbly, crappy clay in, in Ohio. <laughs> in, you know, in in. Uh, you know, Indiana or Illinois or, you know, it's like, dude, the, the, the business world is easy. I mean, the, the, the real world is easy if you, if you look at that, you know, I think. You really got to piss somebody off uh, inspecting their home to come out with a broken leg, right? I mean. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, fall off the roof or something, you know, like. The... <laughs> yeah, every day I get on my ladder and I go, man, I could jump on, I could fall out of here and be out for a living, but. You get a lot better view when you're on the roof, too. (laughs) Well, as far as the racing goes right now, we have a couple of segments we want to do before we let you go. But I had one more question for you. You know, um, you've been around the sport for a while as a racer and now as a fan. And um, what are your thoughts and predictions with how the series is going into 2020 and and kind of predictions for next season, you know, uh, singles class, you know, we, you got Henry Wiles coming down and racing the singles production twins is growing. There's, um, some more factory efforts in that class. And then obviously you have, uh, Briar Bauman, Jared Meese, the top two super twins guys and guys like Jake and Bronson and Carver that are still contending for wins and things like that. What are your, um, what are your thoughts on the series right now and predictions for, for this coming season? Predictions. Uh, I guess it's easier to start with the twins at this point. Um, I think Jared and Kenny have enough right now that they're working for that, uh, or that they're, I don't say holding back. I think they've worked hard enough, long enough, and there's enough miles on the schedule that, that, um, that's going to be really, really hard to beat that outfit on the, on those tracks on the days where you got to, you know, <laughs> where you got to take your nuts and sling, sling, sling them over your shoulder and get after it. Uh, Briar is going to be the guy to beat, and and it'll depend on track prep and uh, some of the other details as to how that plays out. That, that's my call there. I think the rest of the guys are racing for third. Um, I, I hate to say that. I, I hope like I hope like heck I'm wrong. I love Bronson. Uh, watch that little dude grow up, funny and heck, you know. I just um, 
I hope there's a lot of standout guys. I hope there's guys that on a, a privateer Indians that can make some, you know, podiums, get a little confidence and start dicing with the guys up front. Don't see it happening. This is the current format, the current team layout, and everything else. So we'll see on that deal. Um, I love, I, you know, Davis Fisher, kind of waiting to see a little more out of Davis Fisher. Not saying that he hasn't achieved his potential, just saying I feel like there's more there and he has a lot of, I don't know, I don't know. You know, I feel like I'd, I'd love to see more out of Davis. So done with that deal on the twin singles? Kind of like watching the uh, 250, kind of like watching the 250 um, East and West deal, you know, at Supercross right now, except for we don't have any, we don't have any dynamo guys on top notch equipment coming from the bottom. So it's unfortunate we don't have a crazy youth coming through until what we got Cody Cop, we got a couple guys that are going to be something when they come through. Dallas Daniels, golly, I guess we do. We do have some young guys coming up. Hopefully some of that stuff shines through. I love, I love the idea that Mikey Rush can go make a living racing motorcycles still. I love it that Henry Wiles was man enough to say, you know what? I'm going to go ride a twin. I'm going to win some bonus money. I'm going to kick all these guys' butts, and I'm not going to go running around on a, on, a, on a B team and suck. I don't like to suck. I'm going to go win some races. I love it that Henry Wiles was willing to do that. I just don't like that, that that's a, that's a, a step-back class. I want that to be a feeder class and see guys like Dallas and, and um, you know, and, and I apologize for not knowing more of the guys. Coming through, dude. Coming through and blowing people's socks off and getting their chance, like Henry did when he was a, a pro am or whatever what they called it back in the day. You know, one is four fifty yeah. in a duct tape, duct tape numbers and a freaking in a, in a windbreaker. You know, like that's what we want to see. I, I had to loan that guy a full face helmet because he didn't have a proper helmet with tear offs at the amateur nationals one year. It was like, who is this guy? And watch, but watch him get that thing into the corner. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like that that. Twins out of the single class is kind of a stacked deal with, with guys sliding back. Props to them for doing it. Uh, I sure as heck, I don't think I got anything for any of those kids right now, which is great for I'm 40-something years old. But, you know, they're all awesome. They're all awesome. I just I just don't like the the way that it's a – I'd love to see more talent coming from the bottom, and maybe that's what they're accomplishing. Maybe that's what they're trying to accomplish, you guys. Maybe, you know, you build the top high enough and you get the top three guys making – you know, six plus figure, seven figures, and now there's enough young guys shooting for that that it ends up more like the Supercross thing. And you do have a lot more talent come through, and you do have a lot more good rides. You got to sell sponsorship to do that. You got to have TV time. You know. Anyway, that's I, this is I'm I'm off I'm off on a tangent now, boys. But <laughs> but uh, um, I think that's where it's at, man. If they can if they can get the younger guys coming through, guys chasing Cody through. Cody Cop and, and Dallas and them guys follow them through doing that. Come on, let let let's see more talent come through that class. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's there's really what one every every five years or something. It seems like that that have have what it takes or has the right pieces to get there. But yeah, I mean, I like that. Now that I'm an old guy, I like to see the young kids kind of coming up through and doing well. But um, but we, yeah, we got a little. Uh, couple segments we like to do um we figured you'd be a we usually don't do this one but we figured you'd be a good guy for it uh just kind of a list of riders from you know late 90s early 2000s through your era and just like a quick you know it could be one word or just uh you know one sentence uh just to describe uh each rider so uh first one you kind of touched on it earlier but uh chris carr I don't care if you're playing the guy in basketball, man. That guy's just tough. And, 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 <laughs> you know, I don't know what he did. I don't really know what he did when he went to work for those guys. He's tough. That's it. That's that's all I'm going for. Don't worry. 
Next one. The guy sitting across, well, across the screen for me, Jake Johnson. <laughs> uh, be I, nice. I be nice. I got the opportunity to watch him ride a trail bike the other day. He goes, dude, these trails are hard. He goes, dude, this bike feels really soft. And then I'm watching him in front of me, never have even ridden anything like this before, figuring stuff out as I'm watching him. Like I'm going over these nasty rocks and he's just figuring it out. So dude, talent. That's the one word for old, old Jake is this talent. He's just got so much natural talent. His body figures it out. I don't think his head ever told him to stop doing anything. His head just says, oh, you can do it. And his body just goes and just follows and goes, oh, crap. Here he goes again. And his body just figures it out. It's like, it's like, um, it's like leaving it on too long on the back straightaway at Peoria and having to hit that thing wide open, like, oh, no, and his body just figures it out. You know what I mean? The guy, <laughs> Jake, that, that's one thing that I was not, not envious. It's just so cool to watch, really, more than anything. It's cool to watch and go, wow, that's what it would be like if I, if I was born that good. Like, weird. And, he just, and then he just, like, kind of look over his shoulder and giggle at you and land the thing somehow, and Bird! it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I love that. So I, 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 that's talented, I guess, if that's the um, – yeah, and and, and, you, and you know there's a lot of lot there's a lot that gets you to that point. But you said one word, give you one word. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, no. I like that one. That was good. That was a good answer. I like that one. Uh, but no, that was, yeah, that was a blast when we went trail riding. And yeah, that was. Yeah, I don't know if it's my body figures it out. I think I don't know. I I, I just always try to find an easier way. Work work smarter, not harder. <laughs> But. <laughs> yeah. Blame it on being lazy, buddy. I, I, I hear you. That's really nice yeah. way to nice way to be humble, I guess. But I, I watched it for. Did I watch you? Where was it? Uh, uh, tunica. Remember the indoor tunica? You were like a rookie, and, and uh, oh yeah, I remember. I, I, was that. Racing, I was racing, racing Nikki Hayden at the front, yeah. and he ended up spinning out, and and you and I battled for battled for a couple laps, and you just just freaking schooled me, and I was like, dude, this guy's like 17 years old. He's still, dude. He's still got zits on his face, and he's just freaking whooping my ass. It was like, yeah. And then, the, better than any of that, uh, Corey, and you know this deal too, man. Just after the race, he was like, hey, Jake, that was cool. He was like, God, dude, that was so much fun. We could have even gotten into a little bit of a shoving match on the drive. Never, nothing ever bothers you, Jake. And that's the thing where I get like emotional, you know. I would get worked up if somebody ran, you know, cut me off or something. I think Hacker might even have mentioned something about that when he was on your show. You know, I, Jake, you never, you all, and I maybe you have in, in later years or whatever, but you were just always so easy going. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. That was cool. I mean, we're waiting for Jake's Kenny Coolbeth moment from uh, his uh, final year. We're waiting for Jake to kind of Mike Tyson somebody on the track. We haven't, we haven't seen it yet. Jake, Jake's even yeah. keeled. You know, he, I, I he, think he's, he's got, he's got it in him. Yeah, yeah, I think I get a little more fired up than I portray, but I've, you know, I haven't talked to any professionals, but from, you know, watching TV and stuff, supposedly that's bad. So it's all going to come out one day. I, I feel sorry for the bastard who who, who triggers me. Ah, I'm going to tell you right now, if it, if it, ha- if it happens, that, that other guy earned it, you just go ahead and do whatever you feel good to me. I, I, hope, I hope I'm watching or I'm there. That'd be perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to the next one, J.R. Schnabel. Oh, <laughs> brute, brute. <laughs> they just did. They, they just did their their uh, whatever their three hour ice race. You know, TT ice race thing they do up there in Wisconsin or whatever the heck. That guy's just a brute. Remember when he fell off on the front straightaway at Peoria? <laughs> tank slapped. Tank slapped all the way down. Come out of the corner. The things whipped sideways, and he wrestled it. He was darn near to the start finish. 
And his comment on the deal was, well, I was losing enough spots trying to save the crash. I decided I'd be better off to just lay the thing down <laughs> and get a total restart. Yeah, I remember like, that. Dude, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he was running second. I was third, and I kind of watched the whole thing happen. And, yeah, he pretty much just wrestled that thing to a stop. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was I was teammates with Jr. for a couple of years and yes, quiet right. dude, but you know keeps always kind of kept to himself. But he's super cool dude, and like I said, just a brute. You know, just as a ninety pound rookie professional, it was intimidating to line line up next to a guy like Schnabel, like Lima. It's like I gotta race this guy. Like this is terrifying. Just because he was like little Bam Bam on the Flintstones, you know, <laughs> yeah, just exactly. like just onga bonga, Jr. Me twist throttle. Me Yeah. My favorite my but your only hey, your only hope was that, that thing that he was riding a babes was gonna spit chicken bones on about lap six. <laughs> and you find him sitting on the back straightaway. That's your only hope, man. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> he, blew up, he blew up so many of those Yamahas. Dude, they just took the rev box off. Babe was like, Yeah, these these Yamahas run real good once you get them past about eleven five. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, this other thing would be buzzing in your ear, and then he'd be parked on the back straightaway. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, JR. Yeah, I miss that guy. Uh, moving on to the next one, you oh, you could probably go on for days about this guy, but it was I know he was your roommate for a while. You guys were friends a long time, probably still friends to this day, but uh, Sean Russell. Uh, one word. <laughs> yeah, we might want to just keep this one to one word. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's all, it's all good. We, see, Sean, Sean's got her hung right between reverse and neutral. Right? It's like, like, Sean, what gear you got it in? He's got her. He's grinding it between. Like he's almost, I'm almost got it in gear, but I'm somewhere between neutral and reverse. Dude, he's got some of the best one-liners in the business. Sean, say, hey, dude, I got it. I, I got. I don't feel that great. I've got a lot of stuff to do today, so I'm gonna go back to bed so that when I get up, I can get some stuff done. <laughs> you gotta go back to sleep so you can be more productive. Oh, buddy, I'm right there with you, man. I don't care. <laughs> like, what the heck? He, he he operated at such a slow pace, and then all of a sudden he came to life, like on the miles, you know. And uh, like, where'd that come from? And he just was alive. Was it oh two oh three? I think it was when he and he and Ronnie were working together there, working out of my little garage, and he was dude using my using like my little workbench and and a bunch of junk. Sean was a, almost a contender every week on, on, you know, worn out stuff. Just, just a talented dude. So can't sell him short, man. I love the little dude, but he's slow. Sean's just, Sean's just a, <laughs> a different dude. He's just a different dude. I can't, I can't come up with one word on that one. I got way too much information on that deal. <laughs> well, speaking of talented riders, next one, uh, Nikki Hayden. Uh, best ever. I like it. Oh man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, just you know, through the years watching him chasing as an amateur. <laughs> Little did we know when we were kids, he was like two years younger than me. I was racing like a six-year-old. I thought I was being somebody. <laughs> you know, I was like eight, and they'd had their, they'd had their, they'd had their, uh, their uh, fake birth certificates, uh, birth certificates <laughs> all doctored up. You know, and I'm racing a six-year-old. Like, yeah, beat the Hayden boys. They're like, yeah, well, the one was six. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, so fierce a competitor and yet so good a friend. I mean, still just, I mean, I went and hung out there and rode with him in, in uh, Kentucky there, there in Owensboro and did some motocross and then hang out with the, you know, with the family. And, 
it, it, he was just so good. He wanted if you were if you were going to be if you were going to show him anything or help him or work harder than him or do anything. He wanted to be there. He wanted to see it. You know, and just a, just a competitor, man. That guy was, and, and I think. It's a bummer he didn't get to do, you know, didn't get to win a mile or whatever. Um, I know he always dreamed about coming back and doing that when he was done road racing. And uh, tragic, you know, I guess that's another one, losing him. Uh, but a great family and pulled together. and Yeah, all-time. That's all-time, all-time best, I think, right there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, probably one of the best that we've seen in, you know, at least our era, you know, when we've been alive. So, uh, yep. yeah, yeah, sad sad he's gone and we'll all miss him and yeah I'd, I'd consider myself lucky to to have raced him and uh battled with him oh, a yeah. few times so but uh, yeah. yeah i remember that kid crying i remember him crying he wouldn't win a race as an amateur he'd be crying in the pit hell all the way until we were like experts he'd be crying in the pit you know just spirits it was like dude you're a rookie like settle down he wanted to win so bad dude like, there's no more driven dude than that guy right there. I think that's proof right there what it takes to win. No doubt. Yeah. 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 Next guy is, uh, it's pretty driven too. I, I mean, this is probably another one you could probably go on for hours about, but, uh, uh, Jared Mees. Cool. <laughs> Dick. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, no, you know, we all like to give him a hard time. He, I don't think Jared cares that we don't like him, though. I don't think – you know what I mean? He's the kind of guy that's like, hey, you don't like me because I beat you. That's cool with me. You know, if, he did, if, if we didn't like him because uh, he wasn't doing something right, he'd try to figure out what it was. Wait a minute. He'd, he'd, find, <laughs> he'd steal your notebook and find out what it was you said about him, and then he'd know, and then he'd be hard to be. No, he's just, a, he's just one of those guys that never – they had no boundaries on – what it took to go to the front. He was so driven. He, he, he'd do whatever it took to go to the front, albeit sometimes a little bit slimy by some of our standards or, you know, just like, Hey dude, we don't do that. Oh, he, he let you go. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fine. Well, I do. And I want to win, you know, <laughs> you just do that week after week, day after day, whether it was training stuff or sponsorship stuff or uh, heaven forbid, I'm, I'm glad he finally got married and, and you didn't have to worry about, you know, losing any girlfriends to him. Gosh, he's, he just, the guy just, he just was brutal. Just whatever, whatever he wanted. He just went. He just, he just did whatever it took to get it until he got it. And then it was like, oh man, that son of a. He's like a somewhere between a pit bull and a, and a because uh, his size maybe a little bit of a, a smaller dog. You know, like one of the terriers or something. I, I don't know. He just yeah, hard working. Son of a gun, earned everything he's got. Nothing's ever been given to him. But man, if you if you've got something that's sacred to you and. It might do him good in life or business or racing. <laughs> Don't show it to him. He's a unicorn. Like I try I try and figure Jared out. Like we're we're friends and I, I still can't figure him out. Like I don't know if he doesn't like me some days and some days he like yeah. he's overly nice to me. Like he confuses <laughs> me, but yeah, Jared's definitely a definitely a one of a kind guy. Um, last one wanted to ask you about. Uh, we have Joe Cop written down. Oh, I really like Joe. I've I've had a lot of uh, I had a lot of really good racing with Joe. I never really like when we diced back and forth. Joe would always do something that was like, "Where'd that come from?" You know, it's kind of goofy. But you look at his right look at his riding style. I mean, he's like, "God, is the ugliest thing I've ever seen," and he just drove off and left us. <laughs> 
you know. So I think Joe's a sweetheart of a guy. I love, love traveling with him. Not my favorite guy to race with, but normally because he was either whooping my ass or um, doing something that just made me scratch my head. You know, it's always getting on the starting line. You guys ever watch him on the starting line? Doesn't you got that little dealer, you know, shaking his arms and he shakes his feet. And pretty soon you're paying attention to Joe, and then the light turns green, and he's gone with the whole shot. It's like part of the deal, you know. He just did this deal, you know. And I, he's a sharp guy, man. Joe's really sharp. He's coyote. Joe, I think he's just a coyote kind of guy. Just he's really good, but you never know what's going on with Joe. He always, he always made you kind of wonder what he had going, and always had something in his pocket he didn't share with everybody. You know, he had a sponsorship deal or a or a tire. He had something, you know, that the motor part, something that he didn't always let everybody know about. And, and uh, Joe was a very very smart racer for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, we appreciate that. We, we we did that with Chris Carr for Rogers of the '90s, and we wanted to, or wanted to do it with you for the early 2000s. And uh, the last segment we do, it's kind of a quick one. We just do a high or low line, just this or that. You know, pick one or the other. And got a couple ones we just wanted to ask you. You got some good insight. So, uh, uh, if you had to pick one or the other, Rotax or a 450 Framer, what would you ride? Most fun bike to oh, ride. Oh, Rotax. Ro- most fun. Rotex. Yeah, like whatever. Rotex, Just like yeah. you have one sitting yeah. there, you're going ride, and what would you pick? Well, I mean, then, then you know, I pick my Rotax, but then uh, you know, the, the valves were beaten through the head, and I had to spend the fifty-five hundred dollars for another Darcy head, so I, I had to get on my four fifty eventually. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the Rotax way more fun to ride. Four fifty is way more effective. Yeah. So uh, next one, uh, I don't even know if you raced here much, but anyway, Springfield Mile. Or Indie Mile. <clears throat> Indy, dude. You probably didn't get to race Indy much, right? Indy's a cushion in practice, bro. You ever held yeah. it wide open around an Indy Mile and practice? Oh, yeah. It's three fun. Of, three I have a fluff, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. I've done it on a TL-1000. What? Huh? <laughs> 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 and a Ducati. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Dude, so, so you're out riding, you trail riding, whatever. Rocks or sand? Oh, dude, dude, you're not even. You don't even. I, I feel like I don't even know who you are right now, dude. <laughs> I can't ride the sand. Never once have I been able to ride the sand. I suck in the sand, and the rocks have just become my like my natural habitat. So that's an easy one for me. I'm the rocks all day long. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. There's a, there's nothing but rocks out there. I learned that. There's. Yeah. There's barely any dirt. Yeah, just, so. that's, just, that's just the trail we took you on, buddy. There's there's all there's all yeah. kinds of sand. I just don't I just don't go there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the next hey, one. I, uh, oh, good. Uh, I gotta say, I'm I'm contractually obligated with my marriage vows that anytime I have any opportunity to speak publicly, I have to say that I I would appreciate it if anybody listening to this would go to GaryNixon.com and buy a T-shirt. I just want to let you guys know that. Oh, hell yeah. Everybody, yeah. every. We miss Gary, man, for sure. <laughs> hey, I, I have funniest thing ever. Carrie Ann says, you're going to you're going to go on that little radio show with Jake and Corey. Oh, hey, uh, make sure and mis- mention my dad's, my dad's website. Make sure and mention his website. You know, mom, mom still gets all the, the royalties. And I started laughing. It was like, hell yeah. He's been dead. The dude's been dead for like eight years and he's still selling t-shirts. It's like I Elvis, mean, baby. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so you know, big big shout to Don Miller for carrying on that little that little program with Metro Racing and, and uh, keeping Mary Nixon in in, um, in her spending money because that's a, a 
that's a that's a cool deal there. But I thought that was super funny. Carrie Ann's going, hey, hey, you got to say something about GaryNixon.com or what? I don't even know if that's the website, but I know Don Don's just still selling T-shirts, man. Nixon's still a legend. I just I, just, I love it. Oh yeah. What do, what do they say in the Sandlot? Uh, what heroes last forever, but legends never die. <laughs> Nixon's oh, a legend. Deal. Yeah. And and to this day, to this day, you know that guy's just he's just a. People that were in that grew up while he was doing what he was doing, they don't. I got guys that I see in public, like in town here, that just, dude, oh man, they'll say, How's your family? I said, Family's great. Dude, Nixon was the man back in the 70s or 60s. You know, it's like, dude, he was bigger than life back then, you know? And I think, I think we all kind of missed that, but big things to big people or to a lot of people, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, I definitely miss that guy. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, we got a couple more here for you. This is a, a three-part kind of what's what's going on. I'm sure you're. Uh, I know you're a Supercross fan. So we got Tomac, <laughs> Roxon, or Webb. Oh, God. we'll turn this into into a prediction. Who do you think's winning the title? The title. I'm, I'm here to. I'm here to tell you. Cooper Webb is the Jared Meese of the Supercross world, dude. That guy, every week I watch that guy, I go, gosh, dang. I hate to say it. I hate to tell you guys this, but, oh, Tomac and these other guys, it's like, you're just pissing him off. Like, oh, boy, get out. I don't think he's got any – he's just too much of a bulldog. He's such a bulldog. And, and and watching him be good on his bad days. I mean, I think I stopped watching the race last week because we had something going with the family, you know, East Coast time or whatever with the race was on. And I shut it off, and he was in, like, sixth place. And I saw the results. and was like, oh, boy. You guys are in trouble. So prediction-wise, if I if I want to be right, I'm gonna say Cooper Webb's gonna win the title. Um, my heart, I'd love to see Kenny Roxon do it. Oh, with all my heart, that guy's gone through so much and he's so candid and all that. And then you know I got some good buddies that are family, you know, friends friends of the Tomac family. So you know I cheer for that guy on a week to week basis. But it's gonna be hard to beat Webb. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's on a roll. Hold on. Yeah. We'll do the last one here. Um, day out on the trail, trail riding, or on the boat fishing. What are you picking? Uh, uh, I'm kind of in my off-roading deal right now, dude. We've been <laughs> we've been spending some time off-roading. You know, and I again, I'll I'll go fish for three or four hours and whack them as long as they're biting. As you know, I love that 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 same feeling every time you get a get a bite. You know, it's like that. It's like it's like hitting a big, a big kicker, sending you towards a tree and saving it or whatever. You know, it's the same feeling. But if the fish ain't biting, man, I'm going home. And <laughs> trail riding doesn't normally, very seldom do I plan a day to go trail riding with, with you know, if the conditions suck, it's, uh, I saw it coming, I didn't go there. Or, 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 hey, man, we got stuck in the bottom of a canyon and, and then a bike broke and whatever else. It's, that's the adventure. I mean, that's the fun part. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take the trail ride every day. Trail ride every day. I love I love putting ourselves in, in um, situations that are hard to hard to make work, and then uh, somehow figuring out a way to ride it out. Yeah, oh, awesome, man. Nah, it was good to talk to you, dude. I I talked to text you here and there. I, I appreciate. You. I I actually reached out to you a little bit when I was uh, going through my season this year, and the points were kind of wrapping up a bit. And I knew you you've been in some points battles over the years, so I. I reached out to you and you were uh, gracious enough to kind of give me some input and 
it helped me out a lot. So I appreciate that. And, um, you know, a lot of fans wanted to hear from you. You were uh, a top rider in the 2000s and kind of stepped away for a little bit. And, uh, you know, now you've done some hooligan races. You promote your own event out in California, and you're kind of getting back into the sport. And uh, the world needs Johnny Murphy in the flat track world. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to hear from you, man. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, talking some shit with us on, uh, on the flat track uh, tank slapping podcast. It was good. Right on, boys. Well, hey, I appreciate you guys. I, I, I've um, I listened to until my workload picked up. I was listening to every show, and, and I like what you're doing. I commend you both, Jake, for putting a program together. Corey for going back after it again this year, and this this podcast thing, and, and uh, changing with the times, dude. We're old dogs, and you guys are learning new tricks. So props to you guys for doing that. And uh, I gotta I gotta give a big shout too, man. Uh, the race season, I think, I hope, I pray, and. I'm, the AFT thing will be over with September 29th or whatever that is, end of September. And we're going to have October 3rd or first weekend of October. We're going to have a little pro personal short track thing out here, Pastor Robles, man. We're going to do it again this year and, and um, try to drag some of you guys out here. Anybody will come out and, and sling your leg over 450 and, and, uh, and race it up. We're going to have a little thing. Um, fast times, fast times too. October <laughs> 3rd and Pastor Robles. <laughs> cool cool deal yeah i might have to give old ron brown a call so have him start building me a bike but uh but yeah it was it was yeah. good it was good good talking to you i need to talk we need to talk more i mean we talk every couple months what or whatever was, it is that's what but, i was gonna say i got really you guys gotta start a podcast so we can hang out and talk jake what in the hell is this world coming to <laughs> i know i know it's bad it's bad but, no you're hey you you're doing what you need to do dude and i think i think you're you're um program this year as long as you believe in what you're doing you're going to be fine and i think what your choices you had to make you, you had to change about what you're doing so that you could get that belief back man and I, I think when you when you decide that you don't want to do that anymore you're fine you're not one of those guys that's stuck i don't feel like you're stuck am i wrong in that no no i mean there was uh yeah i mean it was a tough winter for me i was kind of going back and forth whether i wanted to do it or not and Obviously, I want to because I'm I'm doing it, and I'm as as uh, as privateer as I've ever been. So, um, last couple of days I was, you know, working on an Indian. Now today I was working on my van. So it's it's been nonstop. Uh, I kind of joke I was I was gonna name it me myself and I racing, um, but no, I, I got I got a lot of you know I got some help from some good oh, people yeah. and and kind of drug some old friends and some old sponsors back into the sport. So uh, we're going to have some fun. And, you know, that's it's kind of what I've been lacking over the last last few years. So go out have some fun and get on a good bike and, you know, see see how it goes. We'll see uh, see if I'm still cut out for this thing or not. And uh, hopefully hopefully hurt some feelings along the way. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I like some of that. Hey, and, and uh, uh, Corey, you got a title to defend, or what are you doing? Same deal, man. Production <laughs> twins. So uh, yeah, go out and uh, try and do the same thing. I might be calling you toward the end of the year again. Get some input. <laughs> are those are those Harleys going to be uh, uh, more competitive this year, or is that deal changed now? And they're going <laughs> taking that effort into the bigger class. Shit, I hope they're not more competitive. I hope they're worse. <laughs> no, I, I think they'll be good. I mean, competition's good. I'm I'm excited for it. I, I like to race fast people, honestly. So, uh, that'd be good. Uh, are you going to come out to the races out west, Paris, Sacramento? 
Yeah, we'll be at, we'll be at a few of those. Uh, you know, it's in our blood, and my kids are starting to get old enough where it's fun, actually, fun to take them and let them see some of it. They they, they all dig motorcycles at different levels, you know. And uh, they, they, so, yeah, we'll we'll be out and see you guys. Gosh darn it! Um, and, and and hey, uh, Jake, I, I don't know if you talked to your buddy Lynch, but he's put a little put a little fire under my butt and a little little financing behind my program. We're we're building a, a, a spare bike for any washed or uh, current. Flat, current and previous flat tracker that needs a little California therapy, you know, that, that, uh, that, um, is fun to be around. And, uh, uh, let me see. There's a few other stipulations. I got to figure those out, but yeah, there's, there's some good riding to be had out here and we're going to have a bike for you. So come on. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, Paul sent me some photos the other day. So yeah, <laughs> it's a rat. I don't, I don't it's know if I'm going to, right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm going to make the April trip, but, uh, oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I said, I got a lot on my plate right now. Unless it all goes to shit and I'm I'm retired by then, but uh, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I definitely want to make it out there again. It was it was a lot of fun. If if you want to laugh, cry, <laughs> cuss somebody out, be pissed off, but in the same time have the best time of your life, go go trail riding with Johnny Murphy. <laughs> and go yeah. to Gary GaryNixon.com and get yourself a T-shirt. Hey, and while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. That's that's cool, Jake. And we had a ball with you out here, and, and um, I'm pumped. I'm looking forward to um, to seeing what you can do with your little effort, with your own little private effort. You know, let's let like you said, let's piss the people off. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. The plan. That's the plan. So well. Thanks again, Showtime. Appreciate you coming on. We'll catch up with you soon. And uh, thanks for uh, for uh, taking time to talk to us. All right, fellas. Have a good rest of your evening. All right. All right. See you, Johnny. <laughs> See you, Johnny. Bye. Johnny Murphy, guys. That that guy's awesome. He's entertaining as hell. I, I could have him on every week and not get bored with it. So, uh, yeah, Jake, that was a good good interview. That was, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've known Johnny a long time. And, Man, he's just one of them guys that he's kind of helped me right from the beginning. Uh, you know, I mean, not not in huge ways, but was always there, advice, somewhere to stay, hang out. You know, I remember being a rookie, staying out in Missouri somewhere, and everybody's riding moto, and I'm just down there watching because I didn't have a moto bike. And you know, Johnny would spin a few laps, and hey, man, take my YZ250 out. You know, and so he was just, you know, always good to me, and you know, just. Uh, you know, tough competitor, had to race him a lot throughout my career, but, uh, one of those guys that, uh, you know, stayed friends with for a long time and, uh, yeah, enjoy, uh, enjoy seeing Gary him, Carroll's talking magic. to him. Yeah. yeah oh he's, yeah. He's, he's awesome. He's, <laughs> he can, uh, have the whole room cracking up and, and not a very you know short amount of time. He's, he's, he's a good dude. So, and he's fast as hell. Like this guy gave Chris Carr all he could handle for, multiple seasons and won a handful of nationals that guy was johnny was a very um well-rounded rider to uh any anytime you give chris carr a run for his money and you know for a championship um he's a good rider so um yeah so that was most of episode eight real fast i want to give uh our correspondent professional flat track racer official Official. noah chambers a quick call and uh, we'll check in with him. Carter, you want to give uh, Noah a ring? And he's somewhere near me. I don't know where he's at. Somewhere in part of the house here. So we'll call and see what the hell he's doing.
Yo. Jesus. Noah Chambers, professional flat tracker on the line. How does that sound, man? Uh, good, finally. I mean, had to uh, ruffle some feathers, you know, but uh, got it done, got it done. Now that this is official, or uh, are you taking a run at that Ronnie Mac challenge or what? Dude, I had so many people send that to me, <laughs> tag me in it. And, I mean, I wish I could, but I'm, I'm not even allowed. I don't even have my Supercross license. I guess a lot of people don't understand that. But, like, just because you might be a pro motocross racer, it's two different licenses nowadays. It used to be combined, but they changed that a few years back. And it's, you have to go through a separate process to get that, unfortunately, because I would love to do it. Heck, 25 grand? Can you imagine 25 grand? What would Noah Chambers do with 25 grand? Huh. Honestly, I'd, I don't know. I'd probably get a new van because my van now is struggling. It's all right. Hopefully, I mean, well, the first thing I thought of, 25 grand, hopefully it leaves at least 10 to bail himself out of jail. That's That was my initial thought. But Yeah, but, yep, because that night, you know that night would get rowdy. <laughs> I mean, is there anybody? I, I don't even know if I asked you that. Obviously, we're we're living together and training together, but I don't even know if I asked you. Like, is there anybody that you think could could do it besides Sipes? I mean, me and Jake talked about um, it a little bit. I mean, dude, that's pretty. That's a pretty bold statement, you know. When uh, when Ronnie Max threw that out there, honestly, I don't I don't think there's anybody right now that is capable of doing it. I mean, as far as it kind of sucks because it only really kind of goes one way and not to sound like, like, like I'm talking shit, but like there's, I mean, yeah, there might be some, a guy like Tomac, do you think he can make the main in the singles class? I mean, I would like to think he could, I mean, I guess you never know, but a guy like that, I, I would think could make it in there, but I don't think there's anybody. On but the he's not going to skip Indianapolis supercross the, the next weekend, That's you know, like, yeah. And Absolutely. if he rode totally, yeah, and not straight. It's totally straight, irrelevant. Yeah, not straight off. Not off the couch, but off the flat track couch. Never have really ridden much flat track. I don't think it's possible. But if he were to ride and test and train, sure, I I, I think he could do it. But not with with a month's. Ah, eh, maybe he could with a month's worth of riding. But yeah, but it's just like Corey said. Indies the next week, so anybody that's in the main at a Supercross is going to Indy. Yeah, they're so probably not, going to Indy. Not yeah. Daytona flat track. I mean, twenty five grand's a lot of money, but it's not that much money. I mean, it's not enough for them to skip Indy. Obviously, I mean, you throw you you, you double or triple that amount. I think some guys would obviously probably consider it. Some of the mid pack guys, but um, yeah, I don't know if they'll get approved. Man, we went through hell to get Noah approved. We we uh. Briar had to put in some emails. Jake, you know, was going to help us out. We were we were trying to get Noah approved, and he's approved, and he's pre-entered for Daytona. It's official, and Noah's been riding. Well, we did Callahan short track. We did Ocala, Ocala TT. You were in bad shape on Saturday, and you still pulled out a podium, man. What uh, what went down yeah, that you were so? Tell, tell everybody, like, what what was up? Why You weren't feeling good. Were you, were you sick or what? Uh, yeah. Food, food poisoning? Six and understatement. Food poisoning, I'd say so. Let's just say the night before, me and a couple <laughs> fellow friends went out, and uh, one thing led to another, a couple chicks involved, 
you know, it just, the night escalated quickly. I think, I think we set out about, about nine o'clock and by, by 1 a.m. I mean, the night was over and I mean, over <laughs> that next morning, that next morning, I, Oh, I think I, I literally, I think I pulled over three times on the way to the track and <laughs> I got there and I like basically crawled under my van and I looked at Corey at one point with like tears in my eyes. And I'm like, I don't know what I've done. <laughs> he said, I'm never but, drinking but, again, <laughs> but you better write this down because I'm in the pain cave. <laughs> That's the big thing. They, they always, Oh no, well, he never admits when he's hurting. And I admit that day I was hurting <laughs> yeah i mean it was funny but I, I was a little nervous i'm like i think i asked you at one point i'm like should i take you to urgent care or something like <laughs> so i we gave you some gatorade and i think like a celery stick or something i gave you to like try and yeah nurse you back to health yeah you handed me a celery stick a bag of crackers and like a gatorade and but dude no matter podium what podium yeah yeah, yeah we threw it up <laughs> on the box that first well, practice, I don't even know how I rode a motorcycle, to be honest. <laughs> you still drunk. Uh, yeah. Well, you're approved. You're, you're training. You're getting ready. I just thought we'd update the fans on our on our little endeavor here. And it's not really a little endeavor anymore. It's it's big job. It's serious. And, yeah, yeah. Jake Johnson yeah. got the bike all dialed in, the suspension. It's it's pretty good, man. I rode it. And it's, uh, it's dialed. Jake's like a suspension tuner over here. It's a... Uh, got a career when he's done racing for sure yeah dude we um i mean the bikes honestly i'm 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 glad i can finally have my own bike and kind of ride it and and get, get a feel for the same bike over and over again because before i was kind of hopping between that yamaha the um the honda which the bikes were phenomenal but it was always a different bike and being that i actually ride a cowie motocross 450 um they they have the same feel to a certain extent, you know what I mean? So that's, that's cool. Um, I like that. Nah, dude. I mean, if it was a, if we were talking a 2018 Cowie, I would absolutely agree, shitty. But dude, these new bikes, like they're they're not bad. Yeah. I mean, heck, it ain't no Suzuki like Chad riding with the pull start on the side. <laughs> Big flat track guy. Nah, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the fans asked for you. I mean, me and Jake personally wouldn't put you on the show anymore because we're tired of your shit. But the fans, they they just like they're big Chambers fans. They want. I had I don't know if I mentioned this before already, but I had a guy that bought some a set of wheels for me, and he wanted you to sign my rim, like the the rim of the wheel that I sold him. I was so random. <laughs> I was like, you want Noah to sign the wheel that I'm selling you? I'm like, no, I can't do it. Um, so <laughs> the fans were asking and. Yeah, glad glad we could have you on and uh, update everybody what's going on. But all right, well, we're going to let you go, and uh, we'll catch up with you in the next episode. Yeah, yeah, I'll be here, down plugging away. Corey, you'll see him in like three minutes. He's in the next room, isn't he? Yeah, he's in somewhere in the garage or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually leaning on your bike right now. Oh, jeez. Well, that's fine. Actually, fly- while you're out there, if you, you could change that front tire, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Peace. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. See ya. See ya, Jake. Chambers chimes in. Good way to wrap up the episode. Episode eight. It's probably going to be a long one. There's a lot of good info, a lot of good insight. Uh, I'm falling asleep here. It's it's a little bit late here. But, no, nah, it was a good episode, Jake. It was good to catch up with you, actually. I haven't been able to talk to you too much. You've been traveling. I'm down in Florida. So it was good to uh, 
get that all dialed in. It's the first episode that we've I've done on my own, like with my own microphone away from you. You're like my tech guy, in addition to Carter. So once we got that figured out, it was it was good. But now nah, it was it was a good episode. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's been. It's been a while. It was it was good to uh, Johnny was a good guest to uh, kind of ease back into it. He kind of did all the talking for us, so yeah, hell uh, yeah. he had a, a lot of good things to say and a lot of funny stuff. So uh, yeah, I just uh, uh, new next... logo coming soon. Working on a logo. Ryan Quickfall is working on our logo, so we got that coming. We're gonna ramp this up, man. We've been doing this podcast, but we're really gonna push it here in the near future. So we appreciate you guys being patient, working through. Um, you know, we're just getting this off the ground and and running, but we're gonna hit it hard and and uh, bigger, better, more more shit. We're gonna talk about piss people off, excite people, things like that. So we're definitely excited for the future. Um, once again, our show is sponsored by Mike Hacker. Presidential Mortgage, if you need a home loan, refinance, or home equity line of credit, give Mike Hacker a call. Hit him up on Facebook, email mike.hacker at presidential.com. He does a great job. He's legit. A lot of racers use him, and uh, he'll go to work for you. He's a hardworking guy. Like like Johnny said, we talked about racers. Once we're done racing, we have that winning mentality, and, and Hacker is uh, is one of, one of those guys. So he'll get the job done for you. But that's all I got. I think Jake... Jake's good on the on your end, Jake. Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? No, no, that's it. Kind of looking forward to next week. Uh, see what we got planned. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to race season starting. Oh yeah. Plus, for you know, because we're gonna go racing, but it's gonna give us some good shit to talk about. Uh, yeah. Either you know one of us bitching that we had a bad weekend, a bunch of excuse, you know. So the show might go downhill once once <laughs> uh, once race season starts. It's just going to be uh, an outlet for excuses, probably. Um, but no, no, I'm kind of excited for that. It's kind of kind of a slow time of the year right now. Like I said, not much. We didn't have much news this episode, and uh, yeah, everybody's kind of quiet right now, kind of getting ready. So um, yep. things are going to fire up here pretty soon. 104. Appreciate you guys listening. Hit us up on social media and uh, thanks for the support. That's all we got. Peace. Later.